everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Coffee Blogger podcast. For those of you on video, you might notice the dingy background I got. I am in Boston this week, so you're going to have to deal with the subpar sound quality as well. Tim's but, been held captive. Yeah. And exactly. they're not going to release them until you review the podcast. <laughs> so if everybody go leave a review now for Tim's safety. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm in an extra bedroom at uh, at my in-laws' house. My wife has the most insane school schedule right now. She's in an accelerated calculus class, and it's legitimately like seven hours of math problems a day. And so before there was a full-blown meltdown, we just decided to take the trip up to Boston and and summon the magical help of the grandparents so that's what we're doing here she's gonna be up here for three weeks man i'm here she came up about a week ago so i was in nashville for four days by myself completely clueless and then obviously i'm here for a couple of days just to you know not be away from everyone for three weeks and then i go back to nashville on tuesday and she's gonna be here with my son for almost two weeks man i'm like dreading it i don't know what i'm gonna do wow yeah that's a long time to be without uh Thought your better half. I've met Jules. She's definitely the better half, too. Definitely. <laughs> um, although, you know, I don't hate this idea of potentially like leaving you in a jail cell somewhere. And then, you know, the only way you get out is with enough reviews. Enough reviews? <laughs> yeah. Is that, can we do that? Is that a thing? I mean, you got like 10 days. You just said, yeah. you just said you're like, you're going to be free for like 10 days and you're not even looking forward to it. So. That's funny. So, <laughs> did yeah. you see somebody did this actually i think it ah what was the brand it might have been one of the barstool brands where they literally put one of their interns on a desert island and i don't know if it was barstool i'll have to find the link after the show but some brand did this where they put like an intern on a desert island and if you look at it it was literally like a 500 square foot <laughs> desert island and they're like he's not allowed off until we get x number of thousand followers and I think they had like they live streamed the entire thing, so you you can just see him like sitting on the island waiting for people to come oh, that's like the show. Make yeah, sure you find that. Put it in the show notes. I will. So, cool. what are we talking about today, Let's man? Let's get right to it today, man. I'm so excited to share this episode. You've been hyping it for like two weeks now. Yeah, well, it's it's the kind of thing that really excites me because it's another example of somebody taking a very like nuanced skill set. And just turning it into an empire. And it's just another, it's, it's proof positive once again that the internet creates ways for all of us to design amazing lifestyles and companies for ourselves as long, and this is the important part, as long as you have something real to offer. Hmm. Okay, so before I share my screen, because I share the screen, it'll give it away a little bit. I have to give just a quick one minute story. As is obvious through the preamble of this episode, Jules and I have a little son and he's 18 months old and we got another kid on the way, which was a huge shock to us and totally changed our lives. And my wife is in very, very intense schooling to become a dietitian. And there's a difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian and dietetics requires basically like a, like a master's. And so her school is very intense. I work a lot obviously. And none, we don't have any family in Nashville. It's just the two of us. And so keeping our kid, who is so good, by the way, like I, I say this as though he's a crazy tyrant out of 
the one to 10 level of how insane our kid is, he's probably like a two. With that being said, he's 17 months old and he needs attention, right? And so when we're really, really desperate, we pop on YouTube and we discovered this girl on YouTube. Her name is Miss Rachel. And let me tell you about Miss freaking Rachel. All right. I've been doing some research. I reached out to her and I reached out to her husband. They created this brand called Songs for Littles. They didn't get back to me. I sent them two emails. I sent them a bunch of questions because their story is fascinating, but it is so freaking cool. So Miss Rachel is a teacher, but she's also a speech pathologist. So she works with little kids um, and she works with deaf kids. You know how before kids learn to speak, they can actually learn to sign really well so they can tell their parents what they want. And I guess this means a lot to me because I, I know I've, I brought up this up to you before, but I had speech problems when I was a kid. I was in speech class for five or six years. I just could not say R. It, it still comes out from time to time, but not really. I really worked on it. And so I know what it's like to be a little kid and have speech problems. And the speech teacher that I had, her name was Mrs. Boop. If I could give her a hug today, I would give her the biggest hug and just be like, look, you like made me feel comfortable and safe in this school prison that I had to suffer through. And so maybe this is something that just means a lot more to me than the regular person. Anyway, COVID happened. They live on Upper East Side, uh, Upper West Side, Manhattan. So they're in a tiny little apartment. Started with a freaking cell phone and that's it. And started singing kids songs into her cell phone, posting them on YouTube. Her husband, check this out. This is when it gets really wild. Her husband is a music composer and, um, on YouTube, you can follow my screen. His name is, uh, Aaron. Of Curso. And he's been a music composer. And so he writes all of the kids' songs. No way. And, they're uh, custom, they're like custom songs. Yeah. 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 And when they get stuck in your head, bro, you're singing them to yourself when you're fucking falling asleep at night. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they're, they're kids' jingles. Like they're not that complicated. Most of them are just like C, G, D, like E minor over and over again. Nonetheless, He's a music composer, and so she's a speech pathologist. And so they make these like hour and a half long videos of singing kids songs that they made up, little animations with numbers and jingles that they sing. And then she does really close up shots of like her mouth, which, hmm. again, this is really important if you've been to speech class, but it really, really helps because a lot of times with speech problems, especially with uh, with strange ones in English, like. You know, S's if kids have lisps or R's if they don't know how to curl their mouth right. It really, really helps to have like the close-up shots. And they started in their living room with a cell phone. Eventually, as you see these videos, they get better and better and better and better. Okay. <laughs> You're, this is about to blow your mind. One video that they did. One video. What? Seven Are million you? views, bro. Okay. So I did the math and I'll just do it on screen so that you can see this, right? How much do say that, you make on YouTube ads? Say that There's one like more time for anybody. Months. Cause I, I might have talked over you, but for anybody who didn't quite catch the number, 67 million views on million. one video. I see others 
Look, 5.5 million, 6.7 million, 32 million. days ago, 3.4 million million views. And this is cool because this video, the production level, like, you know how on YouTube, oh shit, I hit play. Sorry about that. You know, on YouTube, if you put your mouse over the video for a second and you can kind of see like just a couple of clips on it, the production level in the most recent video they did is just miles and miles beyond them singing songs into the camera in their their lower upper west side manhattan apartment and so this is it's crazy though 67 million views 6.7 million views 5.5 million views 32 million views a video they did 11 days ago has 3.4 million views and i just call yeah do the math in one second can i just call one other thing out her subscriber count she's got a million subscribers so like virtually all the videos on her homepage far outstrip even the number of like her subscriber to viewer ratio is <laughs> like three five six <laughs> sixty seven which is not normal usually it's it's the other way around right you have yeah. okay so this person's incredible let's do the math killing it she and she really is incredible eighteen dollars youtube actually really has pretty high cpas and that's like known pretty well i think it's because if you're doing like a Google ad, the CPM is so low because it's just a banner view. But with YouTube videos, they force you to watch usually about five seconds of the video. And sometimes, depending on what the creator decides to do, you have to watch the whole ad. So $18 per 1,000 views, right? Or excuse me, $18 per 1,000 ad views, which usually comes to about $5 per 1,000 video views. So let's take this. We'll do... I got my calculator, by the way. So we'll do 67 million That's views, right? 18, then... 18 billion dollars, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so if we divide this by 1,000, so that's 67,000. And then let's just play pretty middle of the road and we'll do eight bucks per CPM, right? $536,000 on one video. On one freaking video, $536,000. That's insane. Insane. So this is when it gets really fun. First off, I'm, I'm all hype about this. Is there anything that you like have a comment? Uh, uh, something well, you want to say? wait, do it for me one more time, but with the $5. So it was, it was $5, right? It maxed out around $5 per thousand views. Okay, cool. So at oh, $67,000. Right. So it's a little bit lower than that. Yeah. So 67 million. Divided by a thousand, right? Yeah. Six or seven thousand. So times five. I did. So we'll do times four, which is still crazy. Be a little conservative. Yeah. Yeah. 268,000 bucks. For how long is the video? An hour. That's pretty wild. Like this is even crazier though, because it's, it's hard to do the math on this. It's an hour long video. And I think there's ads every 10 minutes, right? And right. trust me, people like parents are playing this video and they're just letting it play all the way through. So you got to get have four or five different ad slots on this video and they all play all the way through. Well, that's the thing. Plus, how big is her video library at this point? So it's like not just the one video. She's got probably dozens of videos that at this point are just racking up views month after month. Like literally, hold on. He's scrolling this page. I'm going to just read this for a second because this is not an isolated thing. He's scrolling. You know how when you click a YouTube subscribers page, like if they have maybe their their pinned video is got a ton of views on it. Maybe there's one or two on the front. 
And then you click their page and you, what you see is that, well, they've gotten a bunch of attention recently, but you know, a whole bunch of their other recent videos are not super popular. Okay. He just clicked her normal videos page. I'm just going <laughs> to read the numbers going down the page. 15 million, 3 million, 12, 18, 7.8, 21, 3.4, 15, 8, 31, 8.1, 12 million. You can just go on and on. I don't see a single video on this page. Oh no, there's one way at the bottom that has 850,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. Okay, so when yeah. you start racking all these up, uh, yeah, this is a really incredible business. Now, okay, what's what are some of the takeaways here for people? I see a couple right out of the gate. First of all, you said you said she started this during COVID, so they're like two years in. Yes, and what the takeaway from this? You just asked a couple of questions, and like you actually asked a few questions, which are all things that I wanted to touch on. One of them is that if you watch this first video, it's a cell phone and a green screen. Like they had a green screen, but there's other ones here too, which is, oh, well, that's a short, but she's got like sign videos, other ones like this where, yeah, perfect example. Like she's just in her living room singing a, a kid's song into the camera. It's nothing fancy. This is a little bit different because a lot of times you and I advocate things like using content to market a business. This is an example where the term creator, quote unquote creator, is actually relevant because they're creating something that isn't necessarily marketing. Like the content itself is meant to be absorbed for mm-hmm. the sake of absorbing the content. So she's making a ton of money from this. But here's what I think is really, really dope. Oh yeah, so here's just a picture of Miss Rachel. And this is a, a, a character, which I think they trademarked. It's called Hermie. Trademark. Looks like a Muppet. Looks like a Muppet, yeah. So I, I bet they would have a hard time with Sesame Street. Who knows, not even important have five songs that they created and definitely trademarked and then this dude right here who knows if they're connected it's hard for me to know because i don't know him but he just landed like head composer for aladdin on broadway what (laughs) so these two are crushing it crushing it and so now this is also my real favorite part Because this Mm -hmm. is when this can turn into like not just a media empire, but like a a super, super business empire. Now that everybody knows New York is one of the cities that like opened up last, right, with COVID. So she's creating an entire network of in-person songs and music lessons for little kids. So if you go to her website now about- I wonder how many people are on her mailing list. I know, crazy. And look at the staff that she has. So this girl right here, she's yeah, in she's all talent. of her new videos. She's yeah. a singer and just a straight up actress, preschool director, actress, singer, actor, singer, music composer. And I, oh yeah, and this guy's, uh, he's Jafar. That's in, awesome. Yeah, doesn't he look like Jafar too? <laughs> <laughs> he does. Yeah, did you see uh, Sam put out this tweet the other day? I think it was maybe earlier this morning where he tweeted out a photo of that um, arms dealer that the U.S. is oh, currently. Yeah. Did you see this? Like I thought he would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So for people who didn't see it, uh, there's this Russian arms dealer that might get traded in exchange for, you know, an American prisoner. And Sam tweeted a photo and he goes, hey, this is this is who this guy is. And he's also the winner of a brand new contest uh, <laughs> or like a brand new award that I'm creating right now called like looks exactly like I thought he would. <laughs> and he looks exactly <laughs> like you thought he would. This guy does, too. These are really interesting. So there's a lot of people here. And what's what's also interesting is that this is some 
like I don't know what a lot of these like degrees are that are mentioned in these people's bios, but this is like high high tier talent. She's paying good money for these people, I would assume. Well, let me just comment on a couple of things. Well, first, can you damn empire? Can you can you click the speech delay help thing right there? I want to see if she has like does she have front or back end products linked up to this? Um, she's got a service. The thing that you just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that she also like kids with speech problems. A lot of times, as interventionists, where and most notably for kids with hearing problems that have speech problems, where half the battle is saying like you need to get help with this because when you're a kid, it's it's like hard to be different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she's an early interventionist for speech problems, and I, I think she's been doing this for a while, like speech pathology. But no, she doesn't have any actual products. And I looked into this because I really thought about it. And this is when I discovered the fact that her product is creating these like in-person events for mm. little kids with music classes. That's wild. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things that stand out to me just from the business perspective. First of all, great find. It's rad, right? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea how you stumble on these things sometimes, but this was a great find. and. So cool that you dug into it too. Cause like, I think this is the kind of thing it, it just goes to show, like, for anybody listening, you should always take a second look at the people around you who are doing things that capture your attention. You know, it's like, it's one thing if somebody creates something that's really cool and noteworthy, but I think it's so common that people will just see it and go, wow, that was cool. And then skip right over it. I, I'm even guilty of this in my research too. Like, what did I run into recently? Ah, forget. It'll come to me in a second. But I was researching somebody and I had basically come up with a total analysis of their business, but missed like this huge aspect of what they were building. And I only stumbled on it like a day or two afterwards because I happened to go back and check my notes on something. It'll come to me in a second. But the, the, the point is, look closely at the things around you. What catches me about this too, though, like I want to go back to the subscriber versus view count thing. I think there's something really interesting here, which a lot of people don't think about, which is that this is kids content specifically designed to be consumed over and over and over again. And like, exactly. I don't have kids, but I'm sure you guys go through this. Like, does Julian have a favorite one of these that you just park him in front of and you'll watch it again and again? Is that a thing? Definitely. And so I won't play it because I don't want to, I'll play it for a second. Sometimes YouTube will kick you out, but I'm playing the most recent video. And uh, see, there's already an ad. So I'm going to stop it so YouTube doesn't pull us. <laughs> they created a whole entire damn play in Central Park. It, like, you know, there's the walkway in Central Park and there's like the bench, right? There's that famous bench that are in all the movies and stuff. So they created a whole entire like theatrical written. They wrote it like song and dance in Central Park in the middle of the summer and my kid cannot get enough of it. There's this part where they'll hide behind the trees and they pop out one by one behind the trees. There's four of them and like they're different colored t-shirts and stuff and you can watch that thing over and over again. Cracks them up. Dude, okay. So here's the crazy thing about this. What, what strikes me about this and I want to, I want to, yeah, sure, I want to, I want to, I want to open this up and let's go higher level now. So this is a, this is an incredible example. Now, how can other people apply this to their businesses? I think there's a few things that we touched on. One, like you said, like it doesn't take that much to get started, right? These guys started with a green screen and a cell phone. I would love to dig into their growth path and see what was it that actually kicked off this crazy growth. I have no idea. Did you find anything about that? Yeah, it's wholesome. So I think millennials are a little bit more weary 
about kids and screens and smart. It's a little confrontational. A lot of the kids' content right now is very, very stimulating, like mm. overly stimulating because, you know, marketers are treating kids like uh, consumers. Somebody listening is going to know. If you know what it is, tweet it to me at Tim Stodds. But there's a particular YouTube channel right now, which is very much like, bam, we're pow, like Power yeah. Rangers times 11, you know, with just all the flashing and, you know, little kids, super wide-eyed, can't take their their eyes off the screen. And so I think Miss Rachel is creating just such a killer brand for herself because it's old school songs that you and I grew up with and songs that she also wrote and her husband wrote that like, you feel good letting your kid watch it. He's not just sucked into some metaverse world. Like he's learning how to count and he's singing and he's dancing and it feels good. I think she really nailed that. The other thing that strikes me about this is the, I'm going to call this the disintermediation of Disney. And maybe that's the wrong term for it. But here's the deal. I mean, look at these view counts and 67 million, 32 million, 35 million. These guys are racking up serious eyeballs, right? Dude, it's like a third of, it's like a quarter of the country. I, I was thinking that to myself when I was like, how many people watch the Game of Thrones finale? A lot. Do you think it's more than 68 million people? Um, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea, but it, but it's up there. But the point that I was trying to make is this. There are, like, we grew up in a world where there was one Disney. Yeah. One Looney Tunes, right? Yeah, yeah. Now YouTube makes it possible to, she created her own version of Disney. And they're getting, like, like you said, they have their own characters. They have their own music. They've mm-hmm. got a growing staff. This is ex- this is the Disney story early on. I mean, Disney did it with, you know, stories that were sort of in the public domain. But yeah, yeah. it looks like they're doing a version of it, which I think is so interesting because you and I grew up, like I said, in a world with one Disney. What's it going to be like when people grow up with all these, like you grew up following your favorite creators instead of one huge mega company? I don't know. There's something really interesting about that because the stories we tell are not the same either. Like, they, like every single creator is going to have their own, not only their own stories, but their own takes on the same story. I mean, could you imagine what would happen if like, this woman and Mr. Beast both did their versions of Cinderella. Like, what would it, what yeah. would it be like if, you, as a kid, your favorite movie was like Robin Hood, and you had a hundred different available versions of Robin Hood to watch, and like all the different worldviews that that's going to create? I think this is a super interesting example of exactly what you said: how the internet is just making a, a ton of different types of business models possible that we maybe didn't even consider in the past or like different storytelling models. And I love that you brought this up because actually it segues kind of neatly into like one or two other things that I wanted to talk to you about. Did you have anything else about this? No, I, I want to highlight Miss Rachel. I want to show that the content itself is also leading to a ton of other opportunities. Like Miss Rachel and her husband can probably who knows sky's the limit with their youtube channel right they like could legitimately probably start rivaling other major kids media brands that we think of but i do think it's really really cool the the main point i want to make which is something i've been harping on lately is that you have to have something to offer i think we're getting too stuck in this idea of like you just start making content right like well why if you don't have something actually to offer, like a particular skill or a particular solution to solve, I mean, who knows? It's doubtful that you're going to get anywhere. I don't ever want to say never because there's a gazillion examples of people just 
coming up with random stuff and getting successful. But the difference is those people blow up for a week or a day, maybe even a month. You know what Miss Rachel's doing? God damn, this is like a lifelong media enterprise that she's yeah. gonna be able to build just because she's got such a unique and like they're they're actresses too, so she can really sing real music. Like the sound quality is produced well. I think they got that right. They knew cell phone, okay, whatever, but they obviously had a shotgun mic or something. And then like interactive speech and sign, which uh it's perfect. Like it's freaking perfect, really. So Miss Rachel for the win, killing it. Totally. I think you could do this exact same thing. So y- you brought up a good point there too. It's not just entertainment. It's not just kids' songs. They're kids' songs with a purpose. Yeah. And what she's doing a really good job of is solving a really difficult problem that a whole bunch of families face, not just kids, but their parents too. So I yeah. think you could do this exact same thing with, I mean, potentially like autism based sure. content or ADHD or, you know, any of a million other things like it could be really interesting. I don't know if this is, this might be a little over the line, but like, what about allergies? I mean, there's kids who have allergies. They still kind of need to be educated on what they should and shouldn't be doing to like protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Is there a version of like, you know, fun YouTube songs that just happen to work in like intelligent allergy information as well so that kids kind of grow up with those things in their heads i don't know but to your point it's it is really really interesting and i think the model is uh perfect because it's it's something that's designed to be reconsumed and i hadn't over thought about over this again exactly yeah i had never thought about that one thing we should continue to think of as we go through this episode is like how how can creators in our in our world like in the like marketing agency startup space how can we be creating more stuff that's designed to be consumed over and over? Because even like this podcast, you know, like the stuff that we do is kind of like, oh, yeah, I listened to it once. Maybe you've got a favorite episode of something mm-hmm. that you go back to every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> All right, we're going to lock Tim on an, on an island. And you can't, <laughs> he can't get off until everybody listens to this podcast three times. There's something there, man. We're going we're, we're gonna to figure it out. We got it. Yeah. But this was a really cool case study. And, and like I said, okay, I'm glad you brought it up because it, it actually ties in perfectly with two things that I found that I was like really excited to show you. Have you ever heard of somebody called Nikki Slices? No. Okay. And have you seen that they turned Thinking Grow Rich into a movie? What? All right. Okay, good. Two surprises. Okay. I'm going to start with the movie thing because I think it's the closest related to what we talked about, but I want to show you both of these. So... I don't know how I got, I mean, I just got targeted with some ad, like Grant Cardone ad for Think and Grow Rich, the movie. And it turns out, I know you're a big fan, like you reread the book all the time. And so as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, dude, Tim's got to hear about this. Everybody out there has got to hear about this. And I actually bought it too. So here's the deal. It looks like a group of like media producers, director, writers, all that kind of stuff, got together to turn Think and Grow Rich into a docudrama. And then they released it and they're selling it almost the same way Grant Cardone would sell like any other paid teaching service. So like Mm -hmm. it's expensive if you just want to watch the movie. And I think maybe you actually let me just share my screen so I don't misquote any of their offerings. You can see that they are selling this like a normal info product. I'm looking Mm -hmm. at a huge sales page here, like big, bright call to action buttons. It's the most like click funnels sales page I think I've ever seen. Dude, it is, it's actually pretty bad. So here's things I want to (laughs) just, from a high level, I want to go through what I love about it, what I hate about it. What I loved about it is I, I, I actually bought this. I think they did a really great job of telling the story of Think and Grow Rich. 
Because the way the movie works is like it takes you through the story of how Napoleon Hill wrote it, but it also interviews a whole bunch of successful people who really uh, love the book. And it plays out some of the more famous stories there in the book. So like, you know, the Edison story, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just, just a whole bunch of the, a whole bunch of the anecdotes. Like the little the girl book. knocking on the door. Yeah. Of the schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All those. So cinematically, I think they did a great job. What were the other things that I loved? Cause I actually wrote them down. So I didn't want to forget them. I didn't, I didn't want to like burn these guys too bad things i love uh oh rob deerdex in it that's the other thing i loved about it oh yeah he loves this book yeah yeah i thought the video was really well done here's the thing that disappoints me a little bit like if you know the story behind think and grow rich and maybe i should just give a quick overview for people who don't know it napoleon hill was a journalist way way back in the like the gilded age so what was that the like late 1800s early 1800s sometime in there Uh, around yeah around the time of the carnegies and for like when Ford was first getting started, all this stuff. Yeah. So he was a journalist. He caught an interview with Carnegie and they had such a great conversation that by the time he was done, Carnegie basically asked him, he said, Hey, would you be willing to devote your entire career to figuring out the secrets of what makes successful people successful? Mm-hmm. And then Napoleon Hill said, yes. So Carnegie basically funded this guy to go off, do all this research. And over 25 years, he like found a whole bunch of the secrets of the super successful and he compiled them into a book called Think and Grow Rich which is now sold 200 million plus copies and I believe is in the public domain at this point, which means like anybody can do derivative works based off of it. Okay, what Carnegie did was really cool, right? Like in terms of just service to humanity, to fund somebody for years and years and years to figure out how all the most successful people make all their money and then make all that information available in something that's as affordable as a book is pretty cool, right? And people who really love that book, I think, would have a little bit of a problem with the way this is being packaged and sold. Now, to be fair, there are a whole bunch of added expenses involved with, you know, filming and getting a lot of these guys to appear and all this kind of stuff. But I was a little disappointed <laughs> that they were taking this, like, sacred book and force feeding it through this click funnel page, which, by the way, is probably not only the most click funnel type it page so you've ever seen. Funnel-y. Yeah, but probably the most effective one too, because they pull <laughs> they pull like every shitty upsell tactic throughout this thing to confuse you and like keep scrolling and, down. Oh, dude, it, like I uh, here's the problem. Okay, so they're charging, uh, and you can see everything. The thirteen mm. secrets to let you live your dream life. I'm seeing fancy watches. I'm seeing a guy throwing what looks like just receipts, but I think that just looks like receipts. Yeah. Travel, like fine dining, all this kind of stuff. And then uh, uh, like featured interviewees, all these famous people, people that you want to hear from, by the way, and they say, and guess who I've seen the entire movie. I have no idea who they're referencing here. Like nobody really stood out as like the guess who guy who like showed up. So this is just a sales tactic, but it worked. And you get down to the price and it's like, oh, there's a couple options. So normally 120, you can, you can buy the basic package, which is the streaming access plus an ebook for 24 bucks. An ebook of a book. Dude, an ebook of a book that's like <laughs> 200 years old. It's in the public domain. This thing is a $27 <laughs> value. That is, that's a reach. Okay. But we'll give it to them or the best deal. And this is what I bought because I just wanted to see like what was all included. And it's like, you know, it's the book, it's the ebook or it's, it's the ebook. It's streaming access. It's a legacy soundtrack, uh, audio book, and whatever. There's a couple other things, but it's like, it's like 60 bucks. 
Yeah, they're okay. So they're they're doing this really well. They're following all the rules, right? I got to give it to them for that. And like I said, this is probably one of the more effective campaigns that's out there in the world. They're even like I can see as I'm, as we're sitting here, there's a little pop up saying, "Jenny just purchased in Melbourne, Florida, mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. hours ago." I would love to see my name pop up on that. Like Ethan just purchased last night. So, anyways, what I was a little disappointed in is as you click through, like there's all kinds of upsells. It's very confusing. It's difficult to make it through without, and I like, I know what the deal is, right? Mm-hmm. I know what to look out for. It was still kind of hard for me to be like, what am I doing? And, and figure out how to just pay for the one thing and mm-hmm. get it. So whatever, I'm not going to hold it against them. They're following all the rules. This is the game that we play. But there was a part of me that was like, ah, this is kind of a, a sacred book. And, you know, uh, I love that they rebooted it. I would just like to see them maybe not sell so hard mm. with this, but whatever. So. Why did I bring this up? First of all, I think this is brilliant. The reboot, I really, I actually think that it was like a more approachable way to tell some of the stories in the book. So somebody who maybe won't go read the book right out of the gate could easily sit down and watch this. And, you know, I actually think I keyed in on some parts of the book that I don't normally absorb. Sure. So that was all great. The other reason I thought this was cool is because I said, you could do this. There are so many old books on making money in the public domain like pt barnum wrote an entire book on money did you know that no yeah and i was was just thinking to myself like it'd be so interesting to do this as a business to take old popular books and turn them into video courses or docudramas or something like that and so i digged into i dug into the whole company to see how they do it and they actually like it's pretty interesting i won't go into the like super deep details we can let people like tweeted at us if you want us to go deeper on this, but I just, I thought I saw this, it caught my eye. I checked it out. I thought it was pretty cool. Some things I would do differently, but overall, I know you're a fan. So I wanted to bring this to your attention. I love it. There's a lot of stuff to pack into a little bit of time. Every self-help book you've ever read is derived from thinking we're rich. It's basically the first time anybody made the correlation between thoughts and outcomes. So all of it, like, you know, the the secret, basically any self-help book you've ever read couldn't exist without Thinking Grow Rich. And the coolest part about the book is that there's an undertone through the whole book that he doesn't tell you what it is. And he says you have to figure it out for yourself. And then when you do figure it out, it's so blatantly obvious that you, you can't believe it. And it's been a huge game changer for my life it's really helped me be mindful of my thoughts and be mindful of like what i allow into my brain and so read thinking very rich i read it every year and i'll, I'll read it every year on january 1st probably for the rest of my life mm-hmm. now let's let's talk about the bigger point right i would be so into something that can repackage some of these classic business concepts into maybe more modern so to be able to absorb the content in like a more modern media friendly way so another one right is um how to win friends and and influence people coincidentally also by carnegie not the same carnegie but thinking grow rich can be summarized in one sentence basically is you become what you think and how to win friends and influence people can be summarized in one sentence which is basically make people feel important and if you can learn how to do those two things, like you can be freaking unstoppable. And once you see them, you realize that there actually is like a personality 
metric that is like a little bit quantifiable in successful people. So it's not so woo-woo. Like there actually is really, really specific personality traits that successful people have. And if somebody were to take maybe the e-myth and think and grow rich and um, how to win flu when friends and influence people, PG Barnum is really probably Helen Keller's book. You know, there's a, there's some really, really interesting stuff there. Um, and turn it, I mean, it doesn't have to be such like a high production value docu series, right? But what about, what about just a more media friendly presentation mm. way to take these timeless ideas and present them to like a, a younger generation? I think you could sell so many of them so many <laughs> yeah or oh even my. like a more representative way so one of the things that's interesting about these old books is like you know they're all written by white dudes about white dudes which is pretty common back in the day yep. um you could do these exact same books for like all sorts of different groups right whether you like not just a diverse like, not just like one book with a super diverse subject matter but you could literally do this for women or like for young girls for oh yeah uh, like chicken black soup. entrepreneurs yeah exactly right mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's like there's so many examples of like just six case studies success study success stories out there these days that i think you could really rehash this to specifically target each one of those demographics and like it's kind of a case of doing good while doing or doing well while doing good right because like here's here's another thing that i found i didn't i didn't plan to bring this up so there's an old magazine that used to tell stories of like how people made money. Fame and Fortune Weekly. So here it is. Fame and Fortune Weekly was a magazine that told the stories of like people who were making money in all sorts of different ways. And this magazine ran from like, what was it? 1905 to 1929 weekly, right? Wow. In 1928, it switched to bi-weekly. So there's just all, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of these magazines and they're all like a lot of them are out in the public domain you can just go read them well the thing about fame and fortune weekly is that the tagline is boys that make money which is fine it's great but you know it's kind of old-timey language so i think you could totally reboot this for a modern audience like take all these all these ways of making money they're still applicable you just need to talk about them like you're not 200 years old and then you could do the exact same thing for girls. You could do the exact same thing for like, I don't know. Uh, you could do the exact same thing for the, like the trans community or whatever you want. It's not like the, I don't think the gender of who has making money was like the biggest part of this. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that there's all this old content that's out there and it's really good and it can totally be rebooted and repackaged and resold. So yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff is stuff that people like, I see this all the time on Twitter, man. Like people keep stumbling across old stuff. That's just really good. Like, did you see the, um, the note that David Ogilvy sent to his entire staff about how to write? No. This just came up the other day. Let me, I'm going to stop sharing so I don't accidentally share my Slack, get chased down by the SEC. Let's see. <laughs> okay. So here it is. So David Ogilvy, you know him, right? Totally. Okay, for anybody who doesn't know him, Ogilvy was like the creator of, is it Ogilvy and Mather? Like one of the largest advertising firms in the world. I think so, yeah. And really old school copywriter. And he basically sent this memo to his entire office one day and it just said how to write. And this is like, it fits on one page. Ten rules, basically. It says, the better you write, the higher you will go in Ogilvy and Mather. People who think well, write well. 
good writing is not a natural gift. You have to learn to write well. Here are 10 hints. And I'm just going to read them out real quick. Read the Roman Raphaelson book on writing. Read it three times, right? I don't know what that is. I want to look it up. But instantaneously, I can tell you it's an old book on writing that more people should know about, right? Write the way you talk normally. Use short words, short sentences, and short paragraphs. Never use jargon words like reconceptualize, demassification, attitudinally, judgmentally. They're all hallmarks of a pretentious ass. <laughs> Never write more than two pages on any subject. Check your quotations. Never send a letter or memo on the day that you write it. Read it aloud the next morning and then edit it. Yeah. And then eight, nine, and ten is if it's something important, get a colleague to improve it. Before you send your letter or memo, make sure it's crystal clear. Uh, and if you want action, don't write. Go and tell the guy what you want. So it's just a little example of like these things from history that are so valuable and most yeah. people have never heard of them. I think you're super on to something, man. I think here's why it appeals to me specifically. I, I can't necessarily speak for anybody else. I hate creating products. Absolutely hate it. And the reason why I hate it is because there's so many times when I think to myself, what the hell am I doing this for? Because it's already out there. And I think it's important to make the distinction that we know that everything has basically already been done. It doesn't mean that you can't make something more unique. Like what makes it unique is your representation of the idea or your particular understanding of how to present an idea. It's like, I'm not, I'm not saying don't make a product. I'm, I'm saying the opposite. Like, yes, go make a product. For me personally, as somebody who like reads a lot and likes to learn from people who I think are more experienced, I, it was always difficult for me to just wrap my head around the idea of, I like sharing my experience. I like writing. I like creating content. I like putting it out there. And even the product that I have been working on, the bootstrapper isn't so much like a, a standalone product as it is a continuous like reflection on what I'm learning, right? I just, <laughs> what am I saying here? I never felt like I knew enough to where I could say I'm done learning. And mm. so it was hard for me to ever just like put a stamp on something because for me, it was like there, this is it. This is everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. And it was difficult for me to do that because I feel like I'm continuously learning stuff. Anyway, when there's stuff out there like this, it totally solves that little conundrum in my head because I don't need to put my stamp on anything. Like all I'm doing is curating and providing like the emotional labor to present this badass stuff to you that has like kind of already been forgotten and lost in the archives. And so I feel good about it because I'm still providing like a really, really valuable product to you without having to, you know, convince myself that I'm teaching in like the exact way that you should do it in the exact set of events in like this exact order, right? So I think it's a lot of fun. And like I said, this is for me personally, not everybody's going to struggle with this I don't know, insecurity, I guess you could call it, or maybe just, maybe not even insecurity, maybe just uh, it's a stumbling block. It's like a mental stumbling block for me. But if I were to create something like that, I would feel so good about the product that I'm delivering to people and not insecure about like, is this valuable or not? Mm -hmm. 
because somebody else has already yeah. basically created the bookends. You know, you're exactly. just refreshing the pages. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And by the way, we've written about this at Trends. There are people who are building like really big businesses on what we call bougie Bibles, which is like, I mean, you can do this with any, any text that's in the public domain. You can do this with. And so there's people who are taking the Bible and turning it into like these beautiful coffee table books. Yeah. And they sell like super high prices and you could do that. There's a lot of other, you know, sacred texts out there that I don't know. It's that's a, that's a gray area because some people might consider that to be like, I don't know, like crossing a line or something. But then you can make the other argument, which is, well, hey, now more people are seeing it. More people are seeing it, more people are absorbing it. So I am personally all for it. But great point about like they they already set up the goalposts. You know, all you got to do is kind of. Okay, we mentioned this whole think and grow rich thing and how it's like over optimized. And I I can hear some people in the audience saying, but Ethan, you have to sell things like this, right? This is the way it's sold. You have to do this. That's where Nikki Slices comes in. So you have never heard of this guy, right? This guy runs a pizza club. It's a pizza restaurant that you can barely order from. So how do I frame this up? Nikki Slices runs a bake and take pizza delivery service in St. Louis. And the deal for the longest time was there's no, the the only way you could order from him was by sliding into his Instagram DMs. And once a week, he would post his new flavors on Instagram. And then you, Text him as fast as possible sometime between like Monday and Wednesday. They took orders. You had to Venmo him the money and then they would make all the pizzas and deliver them Thursday and Friday. And that was the entire business. And he's <laughs> killing it. And he's since created a little bit of a website. So uh, there's this service that allows people who run ghost kitchens to yeah. like post their menus online. I'll see if it comes up here. But the ordering sequence is still the same. You still got to wait till Monday. The, the, the flavors come out and check this out, man. Every single thing sells out. Like he sells out so bad. Even his gift cards are sold out all without any, like this is not, it's not just that he doesn't have a funnel. This is like the anti funnel. Yeah. It's like the anti CRO approach. And he's, Absolutely crushing it. Sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. The whole thing. It's a hundred dollars. Oh, that's a gift card. How much does a pizza cost? Uh, like, uh, 27 bucks. All right. So not bad. But okay. So I liked this and it got me thinking. I started asking around. I said, are there other versions of people who create these businesses that are like purposefully difficult to order from and they're absolutely killing it? And there's a couple. So. One, have you heard of My Cookie Dealer? No, but I love the name. It's oh, it's a great name. They totally lean into it. So the whole idea is that like their cookies are so good. It's like drugs. And they drop new flavors once a week. They've got like a million followers on Instagram. Oh, no, sorry. 325,000 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Look at these. These cookies are going to make you hungry, dude. Like they've I got these cookies co- so much, bro. I have such like, a cookie problem. They're stuffed. They're like stuffed <laughs> with like shit. that's cookies and cream. So once a week, they'll drop this for the people listening. We're looking at a video of this guy breaking open this cookie. This looks amazing. They drop this <laughs> oh and you have to order. Get this, man. First come, first serve. I don't even know. I don't know how this plays out, but they allow something called cart stealing, which is like if you abandon your cart or something, and you didn't place the order fast enough. Somebody can come in and buy your cookies. <laughs> Okay, so that's that's one. And the other one that I have, because I love this business model, 
I don't know how to pronounce this. Have you ever heard of this? Peachy. I think it's I think it's Peachy Babies. Yeah, probably it. P e a c h y b b i e s. They got a million followers on Instagram. They make slime, so they make that like I don't know. It's like a toy or something. Yeah, I don't like know what people use this for. Yeah, they make it in a giant like bread kneading machine. Million followers. They drop new colors every single week, and same exact thing. They completely sell out. So it's like a product drop every week. It's completely crazy. sold out. They're about to restock. Look at this. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, sold out, sold out, sold out. It's just and slime. Yeah, it's just like it's just colored slime. So these guys, I'm actually <laughs> gonna watch and see what happens because they restock tonight at 7 p.m. Fridays at All 7 right. p.m. All right. And I want to see how fast it goes. But I'm so curious about this. This I think ties in with what we were talking about earlier about like products that can be reconsumed over and over again. What this got me thinking about is like, how do you create some kind of service or product in our realm that people are like chomping at the bit to receive and i don't know i mean we're short on time now so we might have to save this for another episode but like i wonder if you got this one because there definitely is something to like the the scarcity it's not just scarcity though it's 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 one more than that it's like exclusivity that's it you know product drops yeah product drops we should do that next week that's really interesting yeah it so, makes me think about sneakerheads. I mean, I remember when I was doing eight and nine clothing and we were matching up t-shirts with some of the sneaker releases. And I mean, it's it's insane what people will do if like Yeezys or phone posits or Jordans come out and what, what they'll go through. But the other side of it is like the anticipation and the hype that is our that is purposely manufactured for this one moment of like frenzy. I'm going to look into that. I'm going to look into that so that we have something to go for next week. Right on. Well, this was fun, man. Great find on the YouTube thing. Everybody out there listening, let us know what you think. Shout out to who we got to shout out this week. I think we should shout out Sean Gossman because he's yeah, always Sean's sharing like, our stuff. Yeah, Sean's really cool. Yep. I, shout I, out I to Sean. him on my blog. He needs to create like a uh, like a hiking brand. He, he knows so many of the trails. Totally. Yeah. For people who don't know him, Sean Gassman is a, he's a listener. He's also a digital marketer. In fact, I was reading one of his articles the other day. He did this thing all about how everything is content and it's really good. So we'll break it down next week, but we know you're listening, Sean. So thanks for all the love. Shout out. And then also one more thing I got to tell you before we go is somebody who will remain nameless, who listens to this show, told me the other day that, quote, this is a quote, this show is what my first million used to be. Oh, and I don't know if dirty. she means I don't know if she means amazing or completely unknown. But like, <laughs> yeah, no, we're gonna. I think that I I said that's gonna be our new slogan, right? Watch yeah. back, Sean and Sam. <laughs> yeah. You give yeah. us give us a couple of years and a couple of million bucks, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, way better hair in the case of in the case of uh, Sean. Sean's got that great hair, but I think if we can if we can beat that uphill battle. Um, coming for you so i love that that makes you smile so much that's hysterical (laughs) we'll see all right man great seeing you i'll see you tomorrow yeah see you tomorrow man later